Good morning. Super excited that you're here today. And uh, don't listen to what they said in first service because it might be different today in the second service because you guys are different. Um, today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and spirituality. But I want to begin where it all starts. And it starts in Acts chapter 2. The, the actual book can be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit or the Acts of the Apostle. But really it's the beginning history of the church. So when you read the book of Acts, you're reading the history of the church. And here's what it says. It's called on the day of Pentecost. And uh, it says this. Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. If you've ever been blessed enough to go to Israel, it's called the Synagogue. It's this upper room, they call it. And in the upper room, uh, in, uh, incredible things happened in the beginning of the church. And that's where we begin today. The title of mine in the NLT says, the Holy Spirit comes. And we're going to talk about that today in spirituality. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring mighty windstorm. And it was filled, it filled the house where they were sitting. And so now they're in this moment where the spirit is moving. And this is Pentecost week. And we're celebrating that by talking about the Pentecost. And so here's what happened. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and they began speaking in other languages. Some of those translations say tongues and the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. And here's what you need to know. When the Holy Spirit comes, it's not always this warm and fuzzy like you got a Happy Meal from McDonald's. It's always surrounded by some awkwardness and uncomfortableness. You know, there's a picture of this. This is not fun. I mean, you think about it. People, they walk out into the streets after this and Peter starts preaching and you know what they say? They look like a bunch of drunks and the guy's like, wait a minute, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. I'm like, you don't know Camarillo. <laughs> you guys got that, huh? The ones that didn't laugh were like, you're right, it is 1030 now. So it's, it's in Hawaii or somewhere it's time. And so the idea here is when the Holy Spirit comes, it's uncomfortable. It's not always, it's not that warm and fuzzy place that you're like, oh, you know, sitting in dad's arms or mom's arms and being comforted. It's different. And so this is a picture, this is a painting of what the tongues of fire look like. And this is a controversial place because listen, church, I hate to tell you this, we're an evangelical church, not a Pentecostal church. And that's not necessarily bad or good, but what that means is this. An evangelical church is this. We ask every Sunday if there's someone that wants to step across the, the line and accept Jesus Christ. That's the kind of church we are. That's what makes us an evangelical. That's the only thing that makes us an evangelical is because we know you can bring anybody to church and there's an offer for salvation. Not all churches do that at the end of service. I don't know if you know that or not, but that's what makes us. But we are a church that wants to be balanced. God the Father, God the Son, and a lot of Holy Spirit because that's what's left for us to worship today. So we're going to dig into the Holy Spirit. Our culture is on fire for spirituality, not Jesus. And so because of our faith and culture sermon series, we're talking about spirituality today. Church, uh, church uh, attendance is declining and has been for about 12 years now. People just don't want to come. But on the flip side, spirituality is, is, is rising. I played golf. A, a friend of mine brought one of his friends and we were playing golf. And on the 10th tee, he comes up to me and goes, oh, so you're a pastor. He didn't talk to me for nine holes, right? And he goes, oh, so you're a pastor. And I go, yeah. And he goes, well, I'm, I'm spiritual too. And I said, you know, I, I wish I could just keep my mouth kind of quiet. And I said, oh, what spirit do you follow? <laughs> and he looked at me and I said, well, because I follow the Holy Spirit. So if you're spiritual, there's really only one spirit to follow. But what happens is there's all these other spirits and some masquerade like it's good. Right? 
And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So what is spirituality? I want to give you a working definition. My grandfather, Grandpa Harold, he used to look in the dictionary every day and find a word and trying to use it in a sentence three times. So I'm very similar. I just don't use it in a sentence. But I want you to have an understanding of what spirituality means. So here's a definition of spirituality. If you don't know what it means, you need to know what it means so that you can accomplish it. It says, spirituality is a broad concept of belief in something beyond self. What is that? For Christians, it's God. It strives to answer the questions about the meaning of life. Next week, we're going to talk about the purpose of life. How people are connected to each other, about truths of the universe, and other mysterious, uh, in, uh, other mysterious human existence. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. For Christians, we've got a manual. And it answers every one of these questions. And here's the thing. You might not like the answer, but that doesn't mean it's not true. Let me give you an example. I love the Bible. I read, on, I read it every day. I think it's important that I do that. Because if you remember, if I read it four times or more, my life changes. So I try and choose that every day, right? But here's the thing. I don't necessarily like everything it says. There's some points I'm like, ugh, that's not comfortable. That's awkward. That's, uh, there's some tension, but it doesn't mean it's bad. It's just like this. I love the United States. I'm grateful that we live here, right? It's a blessing to live in this country. It is. If you've ever been to any other country, you know this is a blessing. But I don't believe in everything they do, right? But I don't leave and go to Canada. Got a Canadian here somewhere? I heard that. They're a... <laughs> Welcome. But here's the thing. So just because you don't agree with everything doesn't mean you have to reject everything and leave. And that's what we see today, especially with the idea of spirituality. Uh, in 2017, there's this group called Pew Research. They did a, a poll, and the research said 27% of adults now think of themselves as spiritual, not religious. Now, I, we'll get into that in just a second. That was 2017. Do you think that's increased? I'm sure it has. You know, that more people are like, well, I'm, I, I'm a spiritual person. Me too. What spirit do you follow? Uh, under 40, where are you at? If you're here, they're not here in the church anymore. Do you know why? Because they don't feel comfortable in church. They can find God somewhere else. How about this? It's Sunday fun day. That drives me crazy. Because honestly, I'll be honest. Even if I'm not preaching, this is fun to me, is hanging out with other people worshiping Jesus Christ. So there's no better fun for me specifically than to be with a group of believers trying to find a, a, a life for Jesus Christ. So for me, Sunday fun day is being with you each and every week, and it doesn't mean me preaching. But they're finding God elsewhere. And the truth is, the truth is, listen to this, God is everywhere. So you can worship him. But if you're on uh, Santa Monica or in the beach or in the mountains and you're not opening up your Bible and you're not trying to worship and do all of that, is it really Sunday fun day worshiping God or is it just you going out and doing whatever you want and saying, well, God was there. You know what I'm saying? And so there's an importance to church. There's an importance to Bible studies and community that bring us together and help us grow and, and help us work through that. And that's all I'm trying to say. Why is church declining? Because we're not addressing the spiritual needs. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit. Here's what we have. We all know God the Father, and if you were raised uh, in a different faith tradition, maybe Catholicism or such, God the Father is this ominous character that's got great judgment. Then we meet Jesus. Yay, Jesus. And Jesus is this loving character. He's my best friend, and he's, he's my favorite person in the universe, and he's a superhero for the kids. But in between, there's a Holy Spirit, and that's what's left for us to worship and celebrate. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. Spirituality with the idea for Christians that we have a Holy Spirit guiding us. So uh, I, I've got a chart up here. This is an incredible chart. This is how you teach spirituality to non-Christians. But here's the thing. I changed it a little bit because uh, the first part is answering these questions. You know, where do I find meaning? How do I feel connected? How should I live? And if you're really understanding spirituality, you have to have some form of religion to get you to the answer. Otherwise, I just find it in whatever I do. Mowing my lawn, you know, eating cheeseburgers or tacos or whatever. But here's the thing. Everybody that talks about spirituality knows there's some sort of religious component to get to where you want to be. But 
if you, if you type in spirituality in Camarillo or Ventura County, Scientology comes up, Bahia comes up, and spiritual centers come up. And that's their new religion. And they talk about anything but the Holy Spirit. But when I have this, this, this religion, and here's the thing, I don't believe Christianity is a religion. I know it falls under the category of religion, but all other religions ask you to do something to get closer to God. All you have to do in Christianity is open up your heart. You don't have to do any formal works. Other religions are, you know, go out and do this or that or attack this or do that and you can achieve and earn. But not in Christianity. All you have to do is confess and believe. That's the difference. One's about a relationship. All others are about earning your right to be closer to God. And some of them are just philosophies. Buddhism is a philosophy. The idea is you get so close to the existence of human being, you just poof into the air and you, that's where you go. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. There's COVID in the air. So we don't want that to happen. So the church isn't addressing needs. People are walking out of the church and it's because we can't agree on anything. We can't agree. I'm part of the Camarillo Ministerial Association and we hosted uh, one. And here's the thing. Most of the pastors in town are, 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 the pastors are good people, but we all believe different things. We have different styles of worship and ideas, but we come around the focus that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died and rose again, that the cross is important. And if that's all we believe, then the world should know that and get away from our differences. But we struggle today in our county about what type of things that, that, that the churches are against. People know what we're against, not what we're for. So let me give you some examples. One of the things that we struggle with in church is the spiritual gifts. There's this idea in some religious factors, uh, de denominations, uh, factions I meant to say, is that the, um, the spiritual gifts has ceased. And they say tongues and prophecy have ceased and all the other gifts are still alive. Well, nowhere in the Bible does it say that some are gone and some are still alive. Either you believe that they're all gone, which I don't, or they're all alive. There's no way, either you have one or the other. Not all the gifts are gone or they're, or they're not. But we struggle with that. And so, oh, you can't be in that church. They have the gifts or they don't believe in the gifts. We argue about that. What about uh, worship service? Some churches say only acapella. You can only sing. That just means me singing by myself. You do not want that to happen, I promise you. I will have a church praying on their knees like they've never prayed before. Please have them stop. But some say you can sing hymns. Some say you can sing hymns with a piano. Some says you can put a bass guitar in a piano and groove to the hymns. Other churches are like rock concerts with smoke and all of that. Here's the thing. I think God would accept all of it as long as it's to Jesus Christ. But we argue about, oh, well, your worship's this and your worship's that. It's something that keeps people out. How about prayer? I remember a, a friend of mine came to this church and was like, well, do you lay hands on people? I'm like, some people do need some hand laying on to get in. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and so the idea here is you, you you can't pray in tongues, you can pray in tongues. You can lay hands on, you can't lay in hands. You, you, you pray this, you pray that way, you pray prophetic words. All these things, they just keep, keep people spinning and keeping people out of church. Uh, a couple more, we worry about Bible translations. There was a movement in the, 50, uh, in the 50s about Bible translations and how to interpret it. How to, how to preach the gospel and who's got the right commentary. All the commentaries that we read and whatever we preach is human commentary. It's just guys that studied the Bible. It doesn't mean anything more than the Holy Spirit. And that's what we have today. And that's what we're going to talk about. So the differences between spirituality and other religions. Number one, Muslims, you know what they believe? Archangel Michael is their Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit they believe. If you're Muslim, that's the only encounter they can have. It's through Michael. In Judaism, they believe in the wisdom section of the Bible or the prophecies, the prophetic books, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Malachi, and so forth. That's their spirituality. With Christians, when we believe we have this spiritual encounter with God, like the day of Pentecost, and we get to worship God in that way. And so God sent us the Holy Spirit to help us believe and have a relationship with God and our spirituality is driven by the Holy Spirit. So here's what I normally do is I wait until the very end and say, and here's the way to hear God's voice. Well, I think that's lame. 
Let me put it out there and let me show you how that works. So here's the way that the Holy Spirit works so that you can have spirituality. The first way that God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit is through human beings. Number one, he uses human beings all the time. Number two is at church. Number three, prayer. Number four, scripture. If you read your Bible and allow God to speak, he will point you to scriptures, dreams, visions, creation. You can go out and worship God. Has anybody been to Yosemite recently? The kids just came back from a week in Yosemite and they were more tired when they came back taking those kids camping than when they left. So they weren't really worshiping God. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. They were wrangling kids. The idea is if you've ever been to Yosemite or Yellowstone, it's beautiful and God's creation is everywhere, right? God can work and move there. The idea here is are you worshiping him and are you, are you drawing closer? He can, he can do it through worship. I mean, our, our worship always is spirit-filled and you can hear the voice of God. Uh, wise counsel, someone that you know that has a relationship with God. And the best part, the still small voice. And I believe someone here, first service, I had a couple people crying that the still small voice was so loud today. And I promise you, if you allow it, that still small voice will yet shout today. So where are we going to go today? I gave you how it works. Now let me give you a roadmap and then we'll get this done. Here, here's, there's four ways that uh, we're going to read. Today we're going to open up the book of John. The book of John talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit. There's a promise that you have. The second part is the work of the Holy Spirit. Then there's roles of the Holy Spirit and then fruits of the Holy Spirit. And I want to look at the fruits a little different today. And hopefully uh, it, it will help you understand how the fruits of the Spirit should work. When you are saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. And our text is going to say that today while we read it. But here's what I want to do. I've had four encounters with God, audible of sort, that have been incredible in my life. And I just want to share those four encounters as I'm going through this so that you can see the, difference, the different ways that we can connect with God. The first time, some of you guys know this story. I was in jail, I was locked up. This young kid named Saul came and gave me a Bible. It was a New Testament and it started in the book of Matthew. And he's like, God wants me uh, to, God told me that you should read the Bible. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I'd been to church. I'd worshiped. I'd, I'd heard messages. And so it wasn't like it was foreign to me. And a couple of times in my life, I'm saying I should read the Bible. So now God's telling me to read the Bible. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. I take the Bible. Minutes later, I get a call over the loudspeaker. And you guys maybe have heard this story, but it, it'll get to a place. In the loudspeaker, it's like I had a visitor. And in the, it, it, when I walk up there, guess who's there? Mama. Mama's little boy. She finally found me. She finds me in jail. And here's what my mom says. She's like, my church crossroads is praying for you, son. And here's the thing. This is what God says. He wants you to read the Bible. And I'm like, mom, some kid just gave me a Bible. And it was such an incredible experience because all of a sudden, for a few minutes, me and my mom just hugged it out and cried. And that spiritual experience, I confessed some stuff so I would never want to tell my mom. I don't think I've ever told her anything like that again because it was so awkward. But the point is that God spoke and, and, and there was confirmation and beauty from the encounter and that was all led by the Holy Spirit through human beings. That's the promise that we have. Here's what it says in John chapter 14. If you love me, what's the word if mean? If. If you love me, there's no great word beyond that. It's just Josh trying to say, if you love me and obey my commands, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Maybe your translation says helper who will never leave you. I don't know if you guys know this, but a lot of people come to church and are good Christian people, but they have an orphan spirit, not connected, always lonely and a house full of kids and people. But that's a lie from the accuser. And so here's the thing that you need to know, that the Holy Spirit wants to build you up and he will never leave you and says, here's one of his roles. He is the Holy Spirit, this is the advocate, who leads you to all truth. 
The humans that connected me to the Bible wanted me to have truth in my life because my life had led me away from truth and morality and that's why I was locked up. So some humans had to engage with me through the Holy Spirit so that I can have truth in my life. The world can't receive him, the Holy Spirit, because he isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. So I can be spiritual, but if I'm not looking for Christ, if I'm not looking for Jesus, if I'm not looking for a relationship with God, how can I really find him? And I'm not saying that the Spirit doesn't work to non-believers because all of us was a non-believer once and the Spirit drew us in to salvation. That's not what I'm saying. But when we're not looking for a connection with God, we can't find him. But you know him because he lives with you and will later be in you. And here's the part. No, I will not abandon you as an orphan. I will come to you. And so if you are struggling today with that orphan spirit, let me know and I'll email you something. I've been sending it to a couple people this week, but there's a, 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 a PDF I have that's really powerful. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Why? And here's what Jesus says. Since I live. What does that mean? He still lives. He lives. Jesus Christ lives. He died and rose again, but he never left us because he lives. He's not dead. He is risen from the grave. Happy resurrection day. Remember that day when the church was packed? Because he lives and you will also live. If you're not living, you're not in a spiritual relationship and you're missing out on that spiritual connection. God wants to bring you to truth today. And the truth is, it comes from his word. John chapter 14, this is the promise. The beauty of God is this. Here's the thing. This guy, Saul, I wish I could find Saul Magdalene. I wish I could find him. I would hug him and, you know, and, and buy him a sandwich and, you know, do whatever I can to help him out. But here's the thing. God told Saul, give, give Jeff a Bible. And the confirmation came from Mama, right? Jeff, read the Bible. God, when you're in relationship, wants to bring confirmation, Right? That's how he works. He confirms it and it matches and aligns with the word of God. It's not going to be something that's going to lead you out of the kingdom of God. It's not going to lead you into another religious uh, place. He's going to draw you closer to him. That's what he does. That's the beautiful thing. So let's talk a little bit about Satan. Satan is called the accuser. What kind of Christian are you? And he accuses you of things that are wrong. But the opposite of that is the advocate, which is left behind so that we can fight. And he is the Holy Spirit. This word advocate or helper is called parakletos in Greek. And it's an interesting word because the idea is it's someone, help, it's someone to help us. And so some of the terms in the definition are an advisor. If you've had a financial advisor or do have a financial advisor, someone that's took, taking your money and hopefully making money or at least keeping it afloat, he's here to advise you. He also is called a legal defender. He's helped you to get you out of uh, illegal things that you're struggling with. A mediator, an intercessor. This is Paracletos, and this is what the advocate does. The opposite of the accuser. Verse 20, he says, when I am, uh, when I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in, that I am in the, my father and you are in me and I am in you. And here's the equation I want you guys to listen to. Those who accept my commands and obey them are ones who love me. Those who accept, receive, engage in those, my commands and obey those are the ones who love me. And because they love me, the Father will love them and I will love them. And here's the answer, he will reveal himself to each one of them. So here's the equation. Accept the commandments, obey the commandments, love God, and he will then reveal yourself. If you're not really obeying, a lot of times the only nudge you will get from the Holy Spirit is like, hey man, you're not really following God. No wonder why you have a crappy relationship with him. You know, he kind of drifts you and trying to pull you back in. And so that's what we're talking about here. I've said this now three times out of the last five or six sermons. Obedience is easy when I'm in love. It's easy for me to want to uh, bless my wife with like, hey, can I, 
can I bring you a sandwich to work or can I do something when I'm in love? When you're in a new relationship, yeah, sure, I'll drive out to Atascadero to get that for you, right? <laughs> I'll be right back. But when you're not in love, you're like, I was gonna say, hell no, I ain't going. <laughs> but I'm not gonna say that. And that leads me to my second encounter. First service, uh, some of my parents' friends, they're named Jim and Sue Wolfrey. Um, And so I was at Crossroads. I received a Bible. I started reading my Bible. I was obedient to it. I was reading it. And my second encounter was at a church service. Now, normally, I would bring a couple friends to church, and I was very, very good at bringing a lot of people to church. I'd fill up rows, sometimes two rows of people that I was bringing to church. Still do invite people to church. And... uh, I was in this church service and I had the worship like Jeremy and Tara today. It was really good. I was crying and I was just like, Lord, speak to me, use me, you know, all the stuff that I say when I'm in worship. And it was really powerful. And then Ed Genowine gets up on stage. And listen, I know you guys don't understand this, but I have this memory that I can remember most sermons that I've heard, even 15, 20 years ago. I just do. It's weird. Sorry. That's my brain. You know, it's got a bunch of defects and some positive things. But this particular Sunday, Ed starts speaking like I am. And all of a sudden, I have no idea what he said. But God started speaking to me at a church service. Do you know why? It's because sometimes church service isn't meant for you to hear the message from me or the pastor, but from God. Because you're here and you're giving yourself time to worship and hear and pray and receive. And sometimes the message has nothing to do with you, but it's what you receive from God through worship, through prayer, through whatever God is communicating. In this particular moment, I'm sitting next to Jim and Sue Wolfrey that come to this church. And and God says, Jeff, it's time for you to become a pastor. And I'm like, God. I'm dyslexic, I'm an addict, I go $66,000, I live at my mom's house, I'm 35 years old, I'm broke as far as, I'm, I'm as low as I possibly could be. And God's like, perfect, you're the guy. He's like, you can't be boastful about anything else, so might as well be boastful about me. And so that second encounter is at church. Sometimes somebody's here today is just hearing the voice of God, and it has nothing to do with me or the worship. God is just downloading and speaking stuff to their heart. There's a guy named T.F. Tinney. He reminds me of my grandpa, Harold. He's a wordsmith extraordinaire, and he's the master of one-liners. I love one-liners. I think they're important in the sermons. And here's what he says. I love this guy. He says this, our challenge is not to understand God, but to obey God. Obey, right? If I obey and I love and I follow him, he reveals himself. But here's what he says. He also says he gives promises, God gives promises, but not explanations. Your job is just to receive the promise and live them out. You don't need to know everything. And you're going to see one of my connections talk about me not needing to know everything. That brings me to my third encounter. And, 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 and uh, uh, one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to encounter you in multiple ways. And I sent you that list. And one of the encounters was the day that I left my old church. I walked up to a Tuesday night at a six o'clock meeting with the pastor and a couple of the elders. And I said, hey guys, today's my last day. I'm leaving the church. And there was some conflict there. And uh, they, were, uh, they were pretty shocked and they were pretty hurt. And they gave me an offer of a lifetime. They're like, hey, look, we don't want you to leave. You can stay here for six months. We're going to pay all your, all your, pay you a salary and make your medical. We just don't want you to leave right now. And you don't have to do any work, really. And I'm like, wow, I wish I had that job today. That's a great job. <laughs> if anybody's hiring, let me know. And so, so I said, well, I need to go home with my wife. We're going to pray about it and see. And so they said, great. And so the, one of the elders puts his hand on my shoulder and starts to pray. And as soon as he started to pray, I had an experience with God like no other. Everything within me, everything within me started to shout, tell him to shut up and tell him you're leaving. And, and, and I'm like, Lord, that's rude. He's my boss. He's the elder. He's the pastor. And my hair is screaming, my, my bones, my fingers, my toes, my skin is shouting. Tell him to shut up. And I'm so embarrassed because I would never do that. I'm like, I have this respect thing that I believe it. And, and, and it's my, my body is like screaming at me, right? And the guy just keeps praying. And I'm like, oh, Lord. 
And then all of a sudden he stops. Thank you, Jesus. He stops. And finally, I said, hey, everything in me is telling me it's time for me to leave. And then Pastor Ed looked at me and he had tears in his eyes like that was God. And it was an incredible experience, but it was through prayer. The first one was a human being used. The second one was a church service where I could hear the voice of God. And now the third one is in a time of prayer where you can hear God and you can be led by God and you have righteous people praying and that's when you can have the Holy Spirit work. And here's what John, two chapters later in John 16, talks about the work of the Holy Spirit. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. We, this is what we do with God. It's like God's saying, hey, I'm heading out. I'm going to be out going somewhere else. And you're like, well, uh, you're, you're not asking the right questions. Where are you going, God? What are you doing? We're like, well, what about us? You're leaving us and we're worried about us instead of where God's going. And the church, Kim said it, this church is moving in a place that God was going. I was talking to my buddy Jim before. The messages that have been produced recently are truly from heaven. I'm not looking for applause for me. I'm telling you, I've been sitting in the pews and listening to them. They are literally manna from heaven. And this church is gonna explode. Not because I'm telling you that, it's because God is doing something within our church. And this Holy Spirit uh, march from the, the, the week of Pentecost is gonna start. Today we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Next week, the purpose, and you're gonna see an explosion. I'm just telling you, this is what God's gonna do, and hopefully you're gonna be around to watch it explode. Here's what he says. He says, instead, you grieve because of what I told you, but in fact, it is best that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. When I, when I sat and I received God and told me to be in ministry, I didn't know my job was gonna be about so much death. I didn't realize that's what ministry was about. You know, we call it in, in, in ministry terms, our job is soul care. Take care of the soul from birth to death. And, and, and I didn't know I was just gonna be in death's path all the time. And so a lot of times I go and I bring my Bible and I don't know what to say and I'm praying, Lord, do something. And, and you see someone laying in bed and they're ready to go, but their family hasn't let them go. And I say these words, I think you need to let your loved one go. And I say, because it'll be better for them. No more sickness, no more pain. You guys heard that story before. And it's super sad. And then they have this moment and they let that loved one go, which is so hard. And you know, it's happened to me where someone's had to come to me because I say that to other people, but when it's my own loved ones, I have to be reminded I gotta let them go. The point is this, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus isn't saying it's better for him to go to heaven. Yeah, he's great. He's gonna kick back, have a cup of coffee and watch the PGA tournament today, that's great. No, he says it's better for you if I go. That's the point. He's like, it's better for you if I go to heaven because that's where you will receive this advocate and this spirituality will be connected through the Holy Spirit if Jesus goes. He says, if I do not go away, if I do go away, sorry, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of his sins. That's number one. And the righteousness of God. He will show the world they have sin. Number two, that he will show that God is there to save us. And number three, he talks about a coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of the world has already been judged. What does that mean? The ruler of this world is, is Satan and he has dominion, but he has lost the war. Listen, everybody say he's lost the war. So when you're struggling on Monday morning on the 101 going to work, I've got victory in Jesus Christ because that battle has been won in Jesus' name. He has won the war, but we have so much power, we give so much power away to the enemy that we forget that and all these little battles he wins and we get destroyed because we forget that he has won the battle and the war is over and he, and he doesn't have dominion. We have Christ who lives in us. Satan has lost, and too often we forget that. 
Now listen, normally, and hopefully nobody's had this experience, but if you've ever been convicted, here's what happens. I'm just gonna give you a little bit of, of advice. You get convicted and they say guilty, and then they come back in two weeks and we're gonna give you a, 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 a term of how long you're gonna go to jail or prison. And so that's what happens in a normal court case. But when, it, when you're being judged by God, something happens with the Holy Spirit. The, the world says and God says you're guilty of sin. And before you get this judgment, if you believe in Jesus Christ, Christ stands in the way and says, this child is mine. He's not an orphan. He's a son of the most high God. And they're washed in the sin of blood. And there's no more conviction because of that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see uh, Jesus talking about here. He's saying, listen, have a relationship with me and my father. And the spirit will guide you into places, into spiritual things like you've never experienced before. So there are benefits from Jesus leaving this earth. Number one, without Jesus dying on the cross, we have no salvation. And it's not just death. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. It's not easy, but it's true. But in Christ Jesus, he rose again so that all of us can be raised again and have a new body and a new life outside of this life. So for some, this is the best life they're ever going to have. But for Christians, this is just the beginning. It only gets better. And that's what we're celebrating. So the first part is we receive salvation. The second part is if Christ doesn't die and doesn't leave, we don't get the Holy Spirit. But that's what's left and that's what's speaking to you today. And that helps you in your relationship. You've, if I'm not speaking to my wife, my relationship's on the outs. If I'm speaking to my wife and I'm loving her and being obedient to what she needs and she's being obedient to what I need, there's this beautiful synergy in relationship. And it's the same with Jesus. That brings me to my fourth encounter. Uh, my second trip to Israel uh, was probably one of my favorite encounters. I go to this synagogue in Israel, and it's my favorite place. I was there before. And, and uh, if, it's right next to Peter's house. I think we have a picture of it. And, and this this moment was one of my favorite moments of all time. I'm sitting in the corner right up here and I've got my headphones on and I'm playing this song. Maybe you know it. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And I'm just blasting it. I can't even see or hear anybody else and I'm praying and I'm like, God, just tell me anything. Do anything. I just want to hear your voice. And I was just praying. I was crying out. And I was like, I'm in your holy land. And uh, I was so excited to be there again. This was the second day. And I'm in this place that Jesus physically taught and read. And, and um, the music's blasting. And all of a sudden, like the day of Pentecost, the winds start blowing. And it's going and I'm looking around and I'm like, does anybody see this? And of course, I'm the only one there. And there's nobody there to prove what's happening. And the winds are blowing. And it was just like I read in Acts. And all of a sudden, I'm asking God, what do you want me to do? Tell me anything. And I'll tell Oprah. I'll tell uh, Judge Judy. You just let me know and I'll tell anybody. Right? And here's what God did. It was incredible. We were having, it was like we were having a conversation. And listen, I read my Bible regularly. And he goes, Jeff. John chapter 16 and then read Psalm 14. That's the, what came into my head. Read John chapter 16. So let me, verse 12, let me read it for you. Here's what it says. There is so much I want to tell you, Jeff, but you can't bear it now. Instantly, he's using his words to speak to me in my life. Jeff, you will get in the way of what I'm trying to do if I tell you there's so much and someone needs to hear that today. There's so much that he wants to tell you, but you can't bear the truth because you'll jack it up. Everybody say jack it up. You will jack it up. I promise you. There's this idea in the Bible. Do you want to be Hagar or do you want to be Sarah? Hagar is man-made. Sarah is God-promised. Jeff, I need you to sit back and listen. This is God's promise because you will get in the way of everything good and you will mess it up. How do I know that? Well, I wind up in handcuffs in jail when I do it on my own. And when I listen to God, 
He puts me in the places to, to change my life. And so here's what he says. There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will speak to you not on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me to the glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's Jesus. This is why I said the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. This is huge. This is so important about the work of God. The spirit of God and spirituality and Christianity is going to point you to the Father and to Jesus every time. Not to the spiritual center, not to Scientology, not to Mormonism, not to Jehovah. He's going to point to the Father and to his word and to his truth. And that's what happened to me. God's like, Jeff, I'm going to do wonderful things in your life and you don't even know. And it might not be a church with thousands of people. That's not what I want. I want a bunch of people walking in their gifts and in the spirit so that the kingdom of God will be uh, 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 alive and mobile in our community. That's what I want. I don't want a mega church. I can barely handle what we got here, let alone anything else. So that's not what I'm trying to. I'm trying to activate the spirit so that we all live in the spirit of who God is. And the Holy Spirit's job is to testify only about Jesus and God the Father. Huge. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, believers are saved, filled, sealed, and sanctified. The Holy Spirit reveals God's thoughts, teaches, guides us to all truth, including the knowledge of what is to come. But he gives us ideas or promises, not necessarily explanation. The Holy Spirit's job for Christians is to share in their weakness and enable us. And that brings me to the 12 roles. And, and, and this is where we need to begin today is the 12 roles or not begin to end, sorry. Here's the 12 roles. These are things that God promises. And listen, there's another eight or 10 I could have put up here. I know 12 is a lot, but here's what I'd love for you to do. Take a picture of this or go to your note, your app phone and pull it up. But do some research yourself. The first thing that he does is he reminds you and teaches you. If you've ever been in a place and you're like talking to someone, he's like, oh, I remember reading that in Psalm chapter uh, 46, 10. Or I remember reading that in, in, in Isaiah 11. Or I remember reading that. The first thing he does is he teaches us and he reminds us. The second thing is he convicts this, the world of sin saying, hey man, realize you need a savior. The third thing he does is he dwells in us and he fills us. He dwells in us. Somebody here is feeling the dwelling of God and he fills us. You go to a gas station to fill your tank. You go to a, a restaurant or you go to the grocery store to eat and get food so you can fill up. One of the places that God fills us is in church or community group, or a Bible study, or a, a, a coffee date with a couple of friends, or when two or three are gathered, then he has the ability to speak and move. He dwells in us and fills us. You ever walked away from a Bible study or a church experience and go, man, that's filling. I feel good. That's what he does. That's the Holy Spirit. Number four, he, he, he's the source of revelation, wisdom, and power. You know how God reveals himself to me? John chapter 16, verse 12, he uses the scriptures to reveal himself. I'm not one that has visions and stuff. I have scripture, but other people I know, he, they have visions. So God can reveal in multiple ways, and he brings wisdom and power. He guides us to all truth. If you, somebody here needs the Bible, I think it's online, and they're struggling. The Bible will solve it. And maybe you need wise counsel, but that's one of the jobs is, is uh, to guide us to truth. He gives spiritual gifts to believers. Our job is to receive these gifts and then use those gifts. And listen, I know people that have multiple gifts. I have multiple gifts. The idea here is to use those gifts to glorify God and to help people in this world. How about this? Who likes 100% satisfaction guarantee? Money returned in 30, 90, 60 days. I love those. We bought a bed and they said, you can return it in 364 days. I'm like, ooh, that's disgusting. <laughs> but that's why we bought it and it's been the best bed. The idea here is this, the Holy Spirit, when you believe and you're allowing the spirituality to come in, it's a seal of life that for the believer, when you're working in this spirituality, you have this gift. Number eight, it helps in our weakness and intercedes for us. When you're moaning and groaning and you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit is translating that to God and saying, listen, this is what they need. He makes believers new and grants us eternal life. He sanctifies us and enables us for good fruit in our lives. What does sanctify? 
It just means draw near to God, to the fire, so that you can burn off the dross or the impurities. And the closer I get to Christ, the less uh, impurities are in my life. Uh, Number uh, 11, he assists us in prayer. You know, one of the things, if you struggle with prayer, I get about three minutes of prayer, then I'm like, I start repeating myself. Anybody know that one? Yeah, and so uh, we read the Bible. Jeremy and our group's like, let's just read some Psalms because the Psalms trigger some prayer life in us. And number 12, he comforts us with, this word was fellowship, I changed it to friendship. Fellowship's this Christian word, and everybody's like, well, what is it? It's a friendship with God and a joy in this miserable world, right? In this, this world full of chaos, he comforts us with this friendship and this joy in a hostile world. So what are we supposed to do? Here's what the Apostle Paul would say. And this is, I know this is a lot of information coming at you, but here's, here's what you need to know. At the end of the day, it should all be done with the fruits of the Spirit in mind. If you're going to receive the Holy Spirit and live it out, here's what Paul would say. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sin nature wants you to do evil, which is just the opposite of the Spirit. The Spirit desire, uh, the, the Spirit gives you the desire that are opposite of the sin nature. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your own good intentions. It always reminds me of this epic battle of Star Wars where you got Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader and Luke and Darth is like, I'm your father. Come to the dark side and we'll rule. And that's what the enemy wants to do. And if you don't put the spirit of God and and faith in Jesus Christ, you will always lose and the dark side will always prevail. But if you invite the spirit in and if you invite God in, you will always win. Why? The war is done. And you have victory in Jesus Christ. And that's what he says. And so now he says a few verses later, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your life. And this is how the Spirit of God works. I want you to think about yourself as a tree. And in that tree, you got a bunch of fruit. But hold that thought. I want you to think about the tree that Christ was on. We call it the cross in church. He was on a tree. And on this tree, when you look, because you guys have heard the fruits of the Spirit many times if you've been in church, but here's what it says. But remember what Christ did upon the cross. He's on the cross, and he said, the fruits of the Spirit in our life are love. God so loved the world that he put his one and only son upon that cross. The first fruit is love. Joy, the joy endureth before him that he endured the cross, Hebrews. He did it for the joy before him. This was a joy for his journey to be upon the cross. He went to the cross to bring us peace, to bring us peace to God so that we can be the righteousness of God. He went to the cross to show us patience, to to, to help us be patient in this world that's turning chaotic and ugly. He went to the cross to show us kindness in that place when he's got two criminals. It says kindness leads to repentance. One guy is mocking him. The other one uh, uh, says something. Jesus' kindness leads that man to repentance and their salvation. This is the fruits of the Spirit on the cross when Jesus dies. He prevails in goodness. Good overwins evil. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He, he stayed upon the cross as, as a faithful gift to God and to mankind. And there's two more. The last two are uh, his gentleness. He was gentle. He could have come down and cast all of them down and killed them all, but he stayed upon there and was gentle to all of them and everyone until his last breath. And finally, at the end, he had self-control so that we all can experience God and have self-control for ourselves. Your life should be guided by the fruits of the Spirit. And if you're not reading them and don't know them, then you need to look at them and try and figure out how your tree can produce this kind of fruit. And that's how this Holy Spirit should work. In Acts chapter 2, at the day of Pentecost, Peter goes out and everybody says he's drunk and he does this long sermon like I'm doing right now. And at the very end, he says these words. At the very end, he says, each of you must repent of your sin, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Spirit. You can only do it by repenting and and asking for forgiveness. This is a promise to you, 
to your children and those far away 2,020 years later that have been called by our Lord Jesus Christ. This is for all who have been that day and future days that call on the name of the Lord. And all you have to do, we do a prayer a lot in this church. We do a prayer a lot in this church. But it doesn't have to be a prayer, but we usually do it because it's a formal way to communicate with God. But all you have to say is, Father, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of that. Come into my heart, come into my soul and be my Lord and Savior. You died for me, you rose again for me so I can be with eternity. Have all of me and forgive me so I can have this Holy Spirit. Now, we do that every Sunday. That's why we're an evangelical church because we want people to cross over. Someone online is thinking and contemplating that right now. But there's this moment in Acts chapter 19 where the Apostle Paul shows up and he comes to the town of Ephesus where that great book of Ephesians that we read and he comes to them and says this. Acts chapter 19 verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't heard of this Holy Spirit. You know in the church today, especially the evangelical church, we've forgotten the work of the Holy Spirit. We know it's promised. We know we think we have it. But in this moment, he says we don't have it. So what do we want to do? I want everybody to stand up. We're getting ready to close. You got to stand up though. And I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to be present here. And maybe you've been in church a long time, but you've never invited the Holy Spirit into your life. I want to give you an opportunity. Now listen, I'm dyslexic. So don't go with me, read what's on the, the lyrics because I'm going to lead you into my own head. But I've got a prayer up here. The Apostle Paul is meeting us today like in Acts and he says, if you know Jesus but you've never invited the Spirit in, I want you to experience this experience. Let the Holy Spirit move and then let's worship Him. So let's join in and say this, ready? One, two, three, Lord. I come to you in Jesus' name. Today, I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Anoint me with your fire and clothe me in your power. I desire to be an instrument for your kingdom. I desire to receive your promise of the Holy Spirit manifest in my life today. I desire the resurrection power works in me and transforms me according to your will. Take all of me, Lord, and use me each and every day from this day forward. I ask this in the mighty precious name of Jesus and all God's people said as we get ready to close today and get ready to sing I just want to be still and know that you are God the Holy Spirit's working on someone right now as they're being still and so Father I pray for your glory I pray for healing I pray for the spirit of forgiveness and I pray for transformation. Lord, we worship you in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen.